Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. In today's podcast, we've got special speaker, Andrew Friesen, and he's talking about shortcuts. In life, you know, we'll be tempted to take shortcuts, but we soon discover that shortcuts will always cost us more in the long run. You know, Jesus invites each of us to follow him wherever he leads, and it might not be easy, but I'll tell you this, it'll be worth it. With that, let's turn over to Andrew Friesen and today's message called Shortcuts. Good morning. How are we doing today? Okay, not not too shabby. Well, uh, great to be with you. I'm Andrew. You say I'm the family pastor, Pastor Church, all the things. Uh, I guess it's been three months since I've been on staff, and um, I just have to say quickly, I have so much love for this church. Okay, you guys are awesome. Um, thank you for how you've handled our transition, stepping into what's next. And I have so much respect for the leadership of this church in particular. Uh, they are fantastic. Okay. Okay, there it is. Yeah, you guys think so too. Okay, good. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, Jackson here has been stepping into my shoes with the teens, doing an awesome job. So uh, shout out to, to Jackson and uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so I've had three months, mostly by myself, working away to mull on this topic that I'm going to share with you. So if it comes across a little heady, it's because it's been on my own head for a long time. And I'm, if I'm honest, a little bit nervous to share it with you. Not because I don't like public speaking, but because of what I'm going to share with you, okay? So um, we'll, see, uh, we'll see how you, you, take, you guys, none of you brought tomatoes with you, did you? Like, you know, so okay. Good thing. So I was having lunch with uh, a friend this week, and we were talking about just diff- different tricky dynamics of life. Um, pressures at work, um, parenting, and kind of what to do with our kids with school situations, um, how to be, you know, present as dads, these kinds of things. And he said something that stood out to me. We were talking about this thing, and, and he, said, uh, he said these words, it feels like a war for the soul every day to be faithful to Jesus. It feels like a war for the soul. I'm like, you know what? That, that hits me. Like, I feel that. And some of you are like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you feel that, okay? It feels like a war for the soul. Like, okay, so... What is going on? What is, there must be some like tug of war going on in life that makes it difficult to not take shortcuts. And today I want to talk to you about this idea of shortcuts in life, cutting corners, because everywhere around us there's opportunities to take shortcuts. Okay? And what I mean by shortcuts, I guess, would be uh, include things like um, moral compromise, uh, you know, cheating on, you know, just taking a quick little corner, maybe taking the easy way and paying for it in the long run, okay? There's shortcuts, temptations, opportunities for compromise all around us in life. So uh, what's an example of this? Um, how about this, okay? You could save time and money by not getting your winter tires put on, all right? Some of you are like, you're debating it right now, like, is it worth it? Like, okay, I haven't booked it, so it'll probably only get it in December, so is it even worth it? And then, come January, you're going down the 115, you hit Tappy Quarter Line, you're driving this way, and you're facing this way. And all of a sudden, your car's in the garage for two days, and it's like, ah, I didn't save time or money. It ended up costing me, 
right? Okay, maybe a different example. You're, you're uh, short on time. You can't cook a family dinner. So it's fast food for the win. And you go over, pick up some McAdee's, and all of a sudden, what you thought was saving you time and money, okay, ends up costing you hours of extra exercise, <laughs> right? Ah, shucks. And I've watched Supersize Me. I know that it's probably not good for me. I am a sucker for a Big Mac, some fries, and McFlurry. And I know it's going to cost me a little. It's cheap, but it costs me more in the long run, right? Or maybe any parents or grandparents in the crowd. Okay, you know that uh, you got a lot on the go. So you know what? Let's just stick the kids in front of the TV, okay? And it happens to be Caillou that's on. Pro tip, never ever Caillou, okay? And for the next two weeks, what you thought was saving you time, all of a sudden you're hearing your kid or grandkid talking that whiny voice. It's just grating on your soul. And it ends up, you know, you have to go to counseling or something just to like deal with that inner rage from hearing Caillou, okay? It might save you time in the short run, but it ends up costing you in the long run. I think that's true not just in life, you know, fun examples, but that's also true spiritually of what's going on in our soul. And, you know, when I say that, maybe you struggle to think of examples, but we're going to dive into that today um, because when I think about that, I think of things like um, I could do, I could save the hard work of forgiving someone, but then I end up paying for it by being bitter for years to come, okay? I could do the hard work of being generous and giving something up, okay? But is it really worth it? I, I, as a parent, I could save the time of, um, of training up my kids, of, of bedtime routines, of hours of conversation. I could save all that. Like, just, just do your own thing. And then when they get to be a young adult, like, they don't want any time with me. Like, I haven't been present. Like, you know what I mean? Like we, we can either put in the work or not. And so there's that internal struggle. And not only is it an internal struggle, okay? It's also like a, something that we face in the culture that we live in, okay? There's, there's, there's a cultural dynamic, okay? So like I said, this has been in my head for a while. So let's see if it comes out. But has anyone else felt that if you were a uh, Christian in today's culture or on university campus, it's a little unpopular, Anyone else? Okay, there we go. Okay, we got some hands. So, um, apparently, I just heard this, that uh, once every four weeks, the church closes in Canada. Okay? So, um, Jesus' teachings, his belief that the Bible right here is God's inspired word that should shape how we live. Okay? And we don't tell the Bible what it should tell us. It tells us how to live. That's an unpopular belief. Jesus' uh, stance on, on ethics in general, but especially sexual ethics, is like very contradictory to the culture that we face, right? So there's this cultural tug of war that we feel, those of us that are followers of Jesus, and maybe you feel it whether you are followers of Jesus or not, you feel that tug of war. And I've got to say, it could save us a lot of awkwardness, for me, and probably for you too, if we just held our... Christian lifestyle to our own private lives instead of making it public in our workplaces, school situations, friendships, right? It could save us a lot of awkwardness, but I know that it would come at a cost. It'd come at a cost. And so that's what we're talking about today. And um, before we jump to 
Jesus' words. Uh, and I'm so thankful that, you know, trying to stick closely to Jesus this morning on this topic. Um, but before we get there, I just wanted to um, quote something that John Mark Homer says. He's a former pastor, a book called uh, Live No Lies. He says this, okay, as followers of Jesus, we're at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay, those are probably three words you haven't heard in a long time. Okay, the world, the flesh, and the devil. What is that? And he says this, okay, um, those three enemies have a strategy that goes as follows. Deceitful ideas, okay, that's the devil, that play to disordered desires, the flesh, normalized in a sinful society, the world. When we feel that tug of war in our heart, it's probably one of those three things. Lies that we believe, or things that, um, desires that, like, hey, is this right? Is this wrong? Like, what do we do? And then normalized in sinful society, like, you know, what's right right now in 10 years could be considered wrong, and what's wrong right now could be considered right. So there's, there's this tug of war in our own hearts. And the bad news is that there's this tug of war in our hearts, okay? The good news is that Jesus expected this. And he actually had some really, really helpful things to say about it. So we're going to dive into Matthew 7, 13 and 14. If you got your Bible with you or you got it on your phone, go ahead and pull it out. And the context for this is that it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most famous speeches ever given, okay? At the time and today, it's probably too radical, too progressive for any of us. Because it's talking about love for your enemies, it's talking about a way of viewing God. Jesus, when he teaches the Lord's Prayer, says, like, you can actually have a personal relationship with God where you call, dad, or God, you, you call God your dad. Like, how crazy is that? Um, how about this? It talks about a way out of anxiety. We need that. Matthew 6. A way out of judgment. Matthew 7. He's got a moral code that of all the different ones out there has never been beat. Matthew 7, verse 12 says, For whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. That's the golden rule. That's, that's all loaded right here. And then towards the end, Jesus is going to say some things that, I mean, we love all that other stuff. And then he says some hard things. So let's dive in. Verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So, okay, what is, what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about a gate. He's talking about this, like, pathway. Like, is it, um, is this some, like, underground restaurant that is, like, that's the place. It's the best food ever. No, he's talking about life. He's talking about eternal life. And in Luke 13, a bunch of people ask him, like, okay, so this eternal life thing, are there lots of people going to be saved? Like, not a lot. And he says these words, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Okay, so Jesus is saying, enter in. There's an invitation that we either take him up on or don't, and there's two different paths that we all end up choosing, whether we choose the narrow gate or the broad way. And, uh, and Jesus is saying, like, this, this choice is actually up to you. I'm not going to force you. It's not you have been entered in. It's entered in. So he's welcoming into this way. But what we're going to discover is Jesus describes it with three different descriptions of one and three of the other. And on the surface, they're one thing. But when we look deeper, it's something completely different. So let's start with, um, let's start with the first one. The way is narrow. 
Jesus is saying the way to life is narrow. Okay, what, do you, what do you think he means by that? Well, in another spot, he says the words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So if he's talking about eternal life, he's saying like, yeah, the way is narrow and I'm the way. So the way to life is only as wide as Jesus. You can try and make an end route around Jesus. You can try and take a shortcut and bypass Jesus. Neither of those paths end in satisfying, joy-filled eternal life. But Jesus wants that for us. He says, look, I'm the gate. Like, you want life? It's as wide as me. You got to come through me. So, I mean, that's, that, sounds, that sounds all right, except when you compare it to all the things that we hear in culture around us. No, 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 no. Like, that's so exclusive. Like, how, how, how arrogant of you Christians to believe that you know the one way to God, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of, I, I, I hear that. Um, or like, who are you to know for sure that this is the one way? Why can't we just mix and match? Like, that sounds so narrow. It's so, so close-minded to believe that uh, you actually think there's one way to God. Now, um, I guess I've got a few thoughts on that, okay? And Tim Keller is going to help me out on this. Uh, he had some really fantastic things to say. But um, I guess we'll start, okay, you guys, anyone like philosophy here? Okay, it's like three hands, okay? So we're going we're to camp all this for two minutes and then pop back out, okay? So um, uh, have you ever heard the statement like all truth is relative? This belief that like you just make up your truth for yourself, right? That's, that's a pretty common idea. Well, every worldview, okay, which, uh, we'll go with, go with me here on this. A worldview uh, includes um, an idea about origin, okay, how we got here. It has an idea about the purpose of life, so meaning. It has an idea about right and wrong, morality. And it has an idea about destiny, where we're going to end up. Okay, everyone has a worldview, whether it's, you know, strictly part of a, a major religion or you kind of mix and match a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of individualism, whatever it is, right? Okay, we all have a worldview. And that worldview... You can put a little belief in, like, eh, I don't really care. I'm just doing my thing. Or you can put a lot of weight into it, and you become this, I don't know, extremist of some kind. Um, so we, we, we have different ways of be believing in worldviews. Now, the thing about the worldview is either it's true or false. And your amount of belief in it does not change whether it's true or false. And here's an example, okay? The more... You believe that gravity is just this, like, idea in your head. Like, it's not actually reality, okay? You can believe that, but then when you go fall off a cliff, okay, reality is what bumps up against you when you're wrong, okay? So every worldview matches up more or less with the way the world actually is. And the first test of a worldview, okay, we're almost done in philosophy, okay, is whether it is self-refuting or not. So um, the statement, what's an example of a self-refuting statement? This statement is false, is a self-refuting statement. Because if that statement, this statement is false, is true, it's false. Okay, you tracking with what I'm saying? So um, there are lots of different beliefs out there about morality, okay? And what you hear is, 
um, this idea of, of Christianity is like, no, 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 you guys don't have the corner on truth, okay? You might hear in conversation with your coworker or neighbor or something like this that um, uh, no belief can be held as universally true for everyone. You might hear that, okay? Like, no view is universally true. And then you have to put that statement against itself and ask, okay, is that self-refuting? No view can be universally true. If that's true, then that applies to that own statement, okay? So <laughs> I don't know if you're tracking with me or not. Maybe I just lost half of you, okay? But the thing is, every worldview has to pass its own test. And if you believe that um, all morality is based on your own ideas, then you actually have no point to call someone else, someone else out on anything, okay? Because what, what firm ground do you have morally to stand on, okay? But when, when Jesus says, no, 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 the way is narrow, okay? Believe it or not, it's actually a more inclusive thing than what you would think. And this is where Tim Keller says this. When you look at the, the, the narrow gate, okay, and the broad way, you think, okay, the narrow gate is this, like, constricting thing. But actually, what you find when you follow Jesus, when you go to this narrow, through the narrow gate and live the hard way, you realize that, wow, when you submit to Jesus and, uh, you know, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, all of a sudden we, we, we feel freedom. We receive like this joy, this like new way of life, this compassion, this, this grace. And all of a sudden on the inside, okay, what looked narrow on the outside, on the inside, it's spacious, it's beautiful, it's like hope-filled, and it's inclusive of everyone. But on the other hand, you got the broad way that's us trying to earn our way through achieving things, through um, trying to make the most of, of what we have. And if we make mistakes, we're canceled. Because it's not built on grace, it's built on our own achievement. And what you find is, eventually, as you go down the broad way, it's darker, it's lonelier, it's suffocating. And because you are the one who's making the decisions about right or wrong, about the way to live, it all hangs on you. And if you don't have it figured out, like... That's it. If you are your own God, it's a pretty lonely place. So what Jesus is saying here is the way is, is narrow. But as you follow Jesus, man, it's, it's beautiful. It's broad. It's inclusive. It's open to all. Okay? So then, then he, he goes on, okay? We're done with philosophy, by the way. We're done with philosophy. All right. So uh, he says this, okay? The gate is narrow and the way is hard. That leads to life. Uh, you guys like life? You guys want life? Like Jesus is actually doing a cost-benefit analysis for your soul. And I love the fact that Jesus doesn't try and salesman his way through. It's not a, oh, it's going to be easy. Just come on, join the team. Ha <laughs> now we got you. Now here's how it really is. Jesus, Jesus tells you up front what the cost is. And he says, it's hard. Now, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I don't like hard things. In fact, like, I kind of love easy things, except for trail running. I guess that's one thing that I do love that's, like, just not for everyone. Um, but uh, I love easy things. And if you look at marketing today, I mean, 
it's, it's got to be easy and fast. It's got to be easy and fast, okay? And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of ChatGPT. Anyone ever use that AI stuff? Oh, come on. No. Oh, you're missing out. Guys, ChatGPT is solving world problems right in front of our eyes. It's solving um, romance-less you know, relationships. Like, it could write a love poem for you. Okay? Okay? You don't know how to respond in your workplace to an aggressive email you just received. You, you copy and paste that email in. Say, how do I respond to this in an uh, appropriate way given my business and whatever? It'll spit out a response for you. Copy and paste the thing, email it back. Okay, it doesn't get easier than that. It's more emotionally sensitive than most people. Okay? I'm just giving you a tidbit. I just, there you go. You got your like idea for the day. Okay? Chat GPT. Um, I've used it planning a youth retreat because it does everything. Okay? Except this time, preparing this message, I was like, okay, I got to practice what I preach. I will not use ChatGPT. I'm going to try to not use ChatGPT. I didn't use ChatGPT, but I wanted to because I could have just said, give me a 30-minute message from Matthew 13 to 14 in the tone of Tim Keller and Nathan Blay. <laughs> and it would have spit something out. I don't know about the Nathan Blay part, but um, it would have it produced that. Okay, we like easy. Okay, we like easy. Or is it just me? You guys like easy? Yes. All right. Okay. Here's the thing. People sell easy ways to connect with God. And Eugene Peterson, when he paraphrased these verses, he, he went with this. He said this. Don't look, verse, verse 13 and 14, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Man, I like that. Don't fail for that stuff. Don't fall for that stuff, sorry. Even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Okay? It's vigorous and requires total attention. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But it's so worth it. See, the way of Jesus is hard. Okay? Integrity is hard. Okay? Forgiveness is hard. Faithfulness in relationship whether it's, you know, a friend, just loyalty, or whether it's faithfulness 10 years into marriage, or when you're dating, like, whatever that might look like, faithfulness, sexual ethics in line with Jesus, it's hard, okay? Jesus calls out, like, hey, look, adultery is not just when you sleep with someone, but when you, like, lust after them in your own heart. Like, that's what Jesus says earlier in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Like, those, those things, the way of Jesus is hard, Okay? And it runs contrary to most of the things that we see around us, okay? Loving difficult people. Man, there's some extra grace required people, okay? EGR, okay? EGR. There's some eggers out there. And, uh, but the way of Jesus, it's hard, but it ends up, ironically, being easier in the long run because you can shortcut that process. You can shortcut integrity. You, can, you may or may not get caught. You can shortcut forgiveness. And then you live as the bitter person. You can shortcut faithfulness to your spouse, but it's going to cost you. And you're going to spend years or decades of trying to navigate um, relationship and co-parenting and all sorts of different things. And if you have kids, like, it, it sounds easy, 
And then you face the reality of what you actually have to deal with. And it's a lot of work. It ends up being more work. So what God's calling us to, okay, is the hard way, but it ends up being easier in the long run. Um, you can see this all over in life. I wrote, wrote this down. Cutting corners costs more. And um, just put yourself for a second in the, in the shoes of a homeowner, okay? So you want some work done, uh, maybe fixing uh, the siding on your house, okay? And all of a sudden, uh, you get a contractor in, they do their thing, and, uh, and they cut a corner. They don't waterproof it in some way that it needs to be done. And, and, and maybe you catch them, okay, and they fix it, okay? Or maybe um, five years passes, you don't notice anything, 10 years passes, and all of a sudden, like, the wood's starting to rot. Uh, maybe there's mold on the inside of your house through the drywall, like that kind of thing. And what you realize, or maybe, you know, just patch it up, lipstick on a pig, sell the thing, someone else's problem, right? Uh, but what you find is that eventually cutting corners costs more. And whether you're the one that pays or someone else pays, it costs. It costs money. Could have just been done right the first time. But um, when we take a corner, cut a corner in life, it ends up costing us. That's true of relationship. It's true all over the place. So I guess my pastoral heart is not to say like, hey, shame on you for cutting a corner. It's more just like, hey, there's choices that you're going to make or be faced with this upcoming week. Like, let's do things in a God-honoring way because in the end, you're saving time and energy. Like, Jesus knows better than anyone what ends up bringing you happiness. So let's follow his lead. And then finally, okay, Jesus says, uh, not only, the, not only is the way um, gates narrow, way's hard, but it's also like something that very few find. So it's unpopular or untraveled. And what is he saying by that? Well, historically, the way of Jesus has been a minority, okay? The way of Jesus, like, it's not, it's not trending, okay? It's not trending on TikTok, forgiveness, loving your enemies, it's not, it's not trending, okay? And it never will trend. Now, there'll be, there'll be moments where someone is, 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 you know, praised for selflessness, but people that like day in, day out, selflessly give of themselves, they're not like, they're not praised. Like it's, it's kind of a behind the scenes thing. It's not trending, so if our expectation is that following Jesus will be easy and popular, like, no, 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 that's, that's not how it is. But it's rich. Oh, it's rich. And in the, in the long run, it's filled with joy and all the things that we could ever want. But the path to it is, is different. Uh, Mark 8, 35, 36 says, For whoever would, find, would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Jesus has your good in mind. But when you hear his command, you know, to not lust, let's say, you take it as a restriction, but actually it's for your freedom. He has your best in mind. And um, what I love about Jesus, not only is he honest, but he lives it out in his own life. And when you look at his life, he ended up going to the cross 
to pay the penalty for our sins. So not only does he say, yeah, it's going to be hard, he lives it out. He lives it out. He lives the betrayal of his closest friends. It's not popular to like even his closest 12, okay? He lives something that ended up costing him own life, his own life. So, I mean, if you don't think the way to eternal life is narrow, does Jesus having to die and choosing to die because he knew there was no other way help convince you that, yeah, there actually is a narrow way? Even Jesus thought, he had to die in order for us to experience eternal life. So we're a minority in culture, okay, as Christians, um, but not an ethnic minority, but a cognitive minority. That means that the ideas that we hold fast to are not common, okay? Here's an, a definition from, uh, from Walter Brueggemann for something called exiles, okay? And in the latest research out of Barna, about uh, teens and young adults in, in society, there's increasingly less and less... Um, faithful Christians, okay? And he uses this definition of exile, the experience of knowing that one is an alien and perhaps even in a hostile environment where the dominant values run counter to one's own. You guys feel that? Like, man, I, I've been to, um, you ever been to another country where you landed and all of a sudden you got off the, out of the airport and like the language is foreign to you, the signs are foreign to you, it's just all strange. Right? I, I, was, I was in Kenya years back, and um, I didn't know a lick of Swahili, didn't know anything. They're driving on the other side of the road. There's no lanes on the highway. There's like, you know, it should be like a five-lane highway. There's like 10 cars wide on it. And um, I kid you not, they introduced stoplights. So there's red, yellow, green. It did not matter. <laughs> the cars were going. They, they, because, I mean, it was, just, it was just wild. So I'm sitting there being like, I just, I just don't understand this culture, okay? I don't understand what are the values that cause you to just do your own thing, okay? But there's a, there's a cultural value that everyone agrees, and that's why no one was following the science, right? Everyone was on the same page. But that's what it feels like as a Christian today in post-Christian Canada. Like, there are values at play that I, I don't necessarily sit with, but I feel like a stranger all of a sudden. And so as Christians, those of us that are followers of Jesus, uh, we have to figure out, okay, what do we do with this? Okay, are we, are we going to, you know, be like just angry and like try and win some power culture war? Like, hey, we need to be in control again. No, 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 we don't need that. Let's just live faithfully the way of Jesus, no matter what happens, okay? And so I guess well, we're left with the choice between the narrow gate or the broad way. And a different way to say it would be this. We're, we have a choice between conviction or compromise. Okay? And when I say that word conviction, I guess what I mean is a few different things. Okay? Conviction means there's kind of like a stirring deep in ourselves that like mm, something's wrong in my life. And I've felt this lots of times. Maybe you felt that. And I think less and less of us are feeling conviction because Normally, we're trained to believe that every negative emotion is bad, Deal, like out with the bad, and every positive emotion, okay, is good. But when you look at David in the Psalms, like a third of them are like Psalms of like sadness and lament. And there's this, there's this attitude of like, I want to make things right and repentance. And uh, man, when I, when I look at that, I think about our own lives 
And if they were as followers of Jesus filled with conviction, we would move through stages of regret for things that we've done that would lead to like just hearts, heartfelt repentance that would lead to like restoration and beautiful, loving relationship with God and the people around us. That, that's, that's what conviction would do to us. And not only would it leave us that, there's this other definition of a conviction that just leaves us with this passion for life. We would do confidently what we used to do shyly, okay? I don't know if that's a word. Shyly a word? I don't know. Um, we will have the power as Christians to live differently no matter what's happening around us, no matter whether we feel like exiles or strangers in the world or whether we line up exactly. So that's what God's inviting us into. He's not going to force you. Okay, that's your choice. But he's done the cost-benefit analysis for your soul, and it's good. So this narrow, hard, unpopular way ends up being this path of life and joy and meaning. And you're invited into it, okay? And um, at the end of the day, what I want you to take away from this is not... Take the hard way, you know, just, just keep trying, try harder, whatever you're doing, try harder. No, 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 no. It's, um, yeah, you're going to have to believe in Jesus, but if you do, there's just grace, his open arms for you, so that the minute you make a mistake, you're not canceled, there's forgiveness for you, and open arms, no matter what you've done. And when you make a mistake, get back up. Let's, let's live consistent lives, okay? Let's live faithfully for them. Let's not take shortcuts or compromises that end up cutting us short. Let's follow him faithfully with everything that we have. I um, wanted to share a song with you. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Um, and uh, I'd asked Jason to sing it, uh, a song that came out this summer, but um, it's got kind of like a country twang to it. And he was like, no, I don't want to plug my nose. So, <laughs> so he's not going to sing it. Um, so fine, I'll give you the lyrics of the song instead. And uh, it's called Kind. It said, I've burned my share of bridges. I've learned to tuck my tail and run. Watch the wreckage in the rear view from all the crooked things I've done. And I know that he forgives me, but it's hard to forgive myself. I can't help but think that amazing grace is for everybody else. I've tried to run from Jesus. I've started holy wars. I've tried the patient waiting and the kicking down the doors. I've cursed his name in anger with my fist raised to the sky. And in return, all he's ever been is kind. And in return, all he's ever been is kind. Man, that's, that's the way of Jesus. Like, it's open to us all. And that's a gift. Let's live it. Let's love fully. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you were honest with us about how to get to eternal life. Lord, um, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who paved the way. You are the gate. You're the way. You lead us. Um, God, I pray that you'd stir in my own heart, stir in our hearts ways that our cutting corners is costing us and lead us to just this life of blessing and joy that you promised those who follow you. I want that. 
want that for each of us. I want that for this city. So God, would you do what only you can do in our hearts? In Christ's name, amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.